Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. The Killer Women Vodcast is pleased to be a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. To learn more about Danielle and her books, visit her at www.daniellegirard.com and to access all of our vodcasts, go to youtube.com forward slash authors on the air. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello, and welcome to the Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network. I am your host, Danielle Girard, and today my, my author guest is Lisa Reagan. Lisa is the USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author, author of the Detective Josie Quinn series, as well as several other crime novels. Her novels have been translated into several languages. She has a bachelor's degree in English and master of education degree from Bloomsburg University. She lives just outside of Philadelphia with her husband, daughter, and her Boston Terrier named Mr. Philip. She's a member of International Thriller Writers, Mystery Writers of America, and Sisters in Crime. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited it's to be here. So excited to be here. So um, I, of course, I've read, this is not my first Josie Quinn novel, um, <laughs> but I enjoyed this one very much. So um, tell um, our listeners, this is her final confession. Tell listeners a little bit about um, her final confession. So in her final confession, um, a member of Detective Josie Quinn's team confesses to a murder and Josie doesn't think that she did it. Uh, the series is set in a small city in central Pennsylvania, which I have made up, so it is fictional, and um, all of their many, many crimes are investigated, <laughs> are investigated by Detective Josie Quinn and her team, which is, um, I believe in this book, is basically her, uh, Lieutenant Noah Fraley, and Detective Gretchen Palmer, and uh, so it's Gretchen is on shift. She goes missing. They find a body in her driveway, uh, a young man that's been murdered with a photograph pinned to his person. And it looks very much like, like Gretchen did it. And then when they find Gretchen, she says that she did it, but Josie just doesn't, doesn't believe it. So she goes uh, digging pretty deeply into Gretchen's past to try to unravel all the lies and secrets. Yes. It's, I, super exciting, and it's, I love her sort of bulldoggedness when it comes to because her her superior wants her to just close the case, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he he's not as sympathetic to um, her ties to her team. So, okay, so Josie Quinn, tell me how many Josie Quinn novels there are. So right now there are fifteen out. Okay. Uh, this is number. Her final confession is the fourth one. There are fifteen out. I just finished uh the first round of edits on 16 two nights ago and that will be out in december so this is super fun so basically grand central publishing is putting out the series again um, yes. or did they, uh, starting from book one is that right yeah so um my publisher bookature uh who's based in london and they're under the umbrella of hachette uh they had started publishing the series in 2018 and it was very successful so uh, they made this deal with Grand Central that they would start uh, publishing paperback editions into stores yeah. of, of the series. So they, they started with number one, uh, they're up to four. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> production time is what it is. So yes. 
uh, we it's a little slower, but I, I think, I mean, look at this cover is, I think it's just, I amazing. know it's gorgeous. I agree. Yeah, they they did. I think it's awesome. Some books I feel like that feel the right, like heaviness and kind of like the, everything about this just feels so it was so, you know, edible to, you could throw it, you know, take it in your bag and, and, you know, it has, it's light, but it's, you know, people like paperbacks. I also, you know, I read a ton, obviously, as we all do, I think because of the efficiency yeah. of space in our, on our, I have a, you know, Kindle that I just adore, but there's still something about a, you know, a paperback book. So, and it's an incredible cover. I love that they're doing that. So, and okay. So 15. So tell us like, you know, can you even remember um, where, you know, what the, how did Josie come to be? So I was uh, pitching books to an, an editor at Book in 2017, I believe it was. Uh, 2016 2017 and uh, she didn't wasn't really crazy about anything I had sent her you know she liked them but she she didn't think they were strong enough and she kind of kept asking me what else do you have what else do you have and I sent her as they do every, yeah I sent her like every every manuscript I had every half-formed idea every every note that I had made and um because she kind of said to me what, what what they wanted to do was a detective series with a detective who uh, kind of fulfills all the tropes of the genre. They're flawed and damaged. They have baggage. They're a little bit of an alcoholic. They have anger management problems, you know. And, <laughs> all the great things that we kind yeah. of think of uh, from detectives, right? Exactly. Just what you want. Yeah. Just, right. <laughs> and uh, I said, I would love to do that, but I would like to write it as a woman. And so I wrote a proposal for the first Josie Quinn book, which was Vanishing Girls. And uh, she said, the editor said to me, if you can write that with a proposal for two more books in, in the series, like we'll talk. So I wrote the book, wrote the proposals, sent them to her and you know, the rest is, is kind of history, so. Right, 15 and I just heard, I think I saw it on your Facebook page or maybe Instagram that you just signed a, a deal for a ton Tell yeah. listeners how many more books. So fifteen in the fifteen more books on top of the the twenty that I'm already in the middle of. <laughs> so it had been the first three, and then another three, and then I think we did a six book contract after that, and then an eight, which totaled twenty. And the series has been so successful that uh, we're going to do fifteen more. Thirty-five. You're going to beat. 35. You're going to beat Sue Grafton in, on the alphabet. <laughs> but they don't I didn't get I mean I and I, I have read um I know I read the first couple but then I think I've read some later ones so I'm a, you know because of um this being number four now and we're already at number 15 um I've read along it doesn't I am sure there is like there are people out there of course and I understand this my inclination who want to start a book one and then right. go along because of course things have happened to Josie in you know in book 14 that if you didn't read you know book eight you might not but you do such a beautiful job and I felt this with all Thank the ones you. I've read and I'm not clearly being very good at reading them in order that you know I don't feel like oh I meant there's stuff in this book that I recognize from the you know first book but it's, I don't feel like I'm missing out it doesn't feel like one of those where you're like geez what what happened that I don't understand her you do a really good and it's not overbearing you just thread in sort of the stuff that has happened to her. And I, I know from reading later books that what looks like progress isn't always progress with her character, and, <laughs> which is lovely, right? Cause that's how humans are. We're not like broken right. and then all of a sudden we're not broken anymore, <laughs> right? That is not right. how it works. 
Well, that yeah. is incredible. I mean, I don't know, I can't think of that many in today's, you know, publishing uh, atmosphere that have that many books. Even 20 is a ton. Is so <laughs> now how do you feel about that? Because sometimes I, at the end of a book, I think, oh, I'm so done with her. I, I don't <laughs> want to, I don't want to think about that character again for, you know, ever. No, but for months. So that's a lot of time with Josie. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I love her. Um, yeah. I love her so much. And I feel like I'm cheating on her if I try to write something else. Uh, over the course of the series so far, I have written a couple of short stories uh, for anthologies or, or charity things. And every time I sit down to write something that is not Josie related, that is not in Josie's world, uh, it feels wrong. It just feels mm -hmm. really wrong. And then at the end, I have to go through that story and pull out all the times that I accidentally typed Josie. Oh. So <laughs> yeah. she is, she's your, she's your inner twin. You guys are really yeah. connected. <laughs> Thankfully, you don't have to go through what Josie goes through. I hope. Mm -mm. I hope. No. Yeah. It's all made up. And I, 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 I know she's, yeah. she's really been put through the ringer. I have a lot of uh, fans would say to me uh, after like book, nine kind of could you just give her a little break like she's been through so much I know and then you're like but I can't the, right. the, the genre requires that every book is a major hurdle for Josie so and we love it because you know we're I mean once you get through a few of these books you are like a thousand percent invested in Josie and you do not you both want her to you know survive it but you also want to be along for the ride so that is so fun so um this one you know it's of course now you're like i don't know how you, i don't know how you keep track do you have like a massive series bible how do you I do. I do okay tell tell listeners what a, i don't know everyone knows what a series bible is so for me it's just a document that keeps track of uh, what happens in each book what characters appear in each book what their history histories are the locations in the city that i've made up where they are in the city uh, important events that have happened at those various locations and any other details that might be important later, uh, such as Josie has a huge fear of dark enclosed spaces. So and that's not something I need to go to the Bible for, but that's just an example. If a character has a little uh, quirk or a fear or a habit uh, that I want to make sure is consistent across the series, those kinds of details are in the Bible. And uh, I have a wonderful uh, woman Claire Milto that reads each book and then she adds to it for me. I love so, that. Yeah, it's it's invaluable. Yes, a series bible. I agree, and it is a, it's nice to have it in a document because then you can search something you know for a keyword yes. like you know eye color. It would be something that I'd be like, now what <laughs> color are those characters' eyes? That's so fabulous. So um, okay, and so tell us like you know about your. Um, you were working full time and writing those books. Mm -hmm. So that was, and it sounds like you wrote a dozen or so before you stopped working full time, which is a huge undertaking with a, with a child. I, yes, I, yes. I, I, I can speak <laughs> to that. So how did you do that? Oh, I just kind of claimed every spare minute that I had. I used to keep a notebook in my in my purse. And every time that I would be in a place where we stopped for a few minutes and I was waiting, if it was in the parking lot, in the doctor's office, at line in the post office, those sorts of things, then uh, I would take out my notebook and just write. And then later on, I would have to type it up. Uh, that was the only way to do it. I, I, and I was one of those people that loved to wait in the doctor's office. 
I will call to make an appointment. They would say, oh, we'll give you the first one of the day and you'll get right in. And I would say, no, I want the middle of the day. Because you just <laughs> want to be three hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't right. know how much work I'm going to get done. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, that, I, yeah, that's a really smart way to do it. And some of our best ideas come when we're not just staring at a blank screen, right? Yep. When you're kind of, when you're, you're supposed to be doing something else at the same time as you're doing this. So, um, okay. So, so now that you're writing full time, how does that change how you, you know, go about your, you know, your books? It's changed it in the sense that my family now is more at the mercy of the books. <laughs> so Interesting. Explain what you mean. It used to be something I did, you know, like I said, if I'm waiting in line at the post office, quietly scribbling in my notebook, or it was something that I, that I did after my daughter went to bed. And now it just consumes our lives. Like the schedule, <laughs> our schedules revolve around mom's deadlines. And so yeah. uh, we, it, you know, my family will come in and to my office and, and they know, you know, what the next deadline is. And uh, I have some visual aid to tell them where exactly I am in the process. So they know, you know, oh, can I bother her right now? Or should this wait until Thursday? <laughs> that, that sort of thing. Because you're writing, I mean, this is, you're not just like, this is not a one a year thing. How many books are you putting out each year? Uh, I'm putting out three right now. Yeah. So it's every day is, you know, I'm, I'm working. <laughs> that is, I know. And it's funny because when you're working from home, right? Sometimes people are like, oh, mom's just in that office. She's right there. I can just get to her. But yeah. Um, were you writing three books a year when you were working full-time? Not, not initially. Initially, it took me one year, two years to come up with a book. And then that, I would say between 2017 uh, and 2018, I, I did write four books that year somehow. Uh, they weren't very good. Um, well, I know how I did it, which was that my daughter broke her hip. And oh, um, it was horrible. She's, she's doing great now. So that's good. But we were, I was home with her. I had to work from home. I had to take a lot of time off from my, from my full-time job. Right. And I was just kind of, she was stuck in the, she had this body cast on. And, oh my God. How did she break her hip? On a scooter of all things. Oh God. Uh, just fell backwards she, or something. She flew, she, she went over a bump and she flew through the air um, oh. several feet. <laughs> in the air and then she landed on her hip um it oh, was, gosh. It was so she's sorry. gonna kill me for talking about it but um yeah so she was in this kind of body cast and she's just sitting at home and I would spend the whole day you know sitting next to her and so we would she was quite young and so we would play you know play with her a little bit and then she would get on the iPad and watch something so during that downtime when she was watching something or playing a game on her own then I would just bring my laptop out and yeah uh, go for it and so I, I think that's the only reason I was able to write so many books that year was because of all the downtime from my right. from my job wow right and so now and are you sort of a, are you one of those like I'm up in crack of dawn writers or are you more like give me three cups of coffee tell me yeah. about your day <laughs> So I, you know, I get up, we get, we all get going in the morning and then I drop my daughter off at school. I come home and then I, I usually spend an hour, sometimes two, depending on how behind I am, uh, answering emails and yeah. uh, kind of catching up on any administrative stuff around the house. 
pills, that sort of thing. And then uh, sometime around nine or 10, I usually will sit down at my desk and try to stay. I try to stay there um, that until it's time to pick my daughter up again. And then if, if I'm really behind on a deadline, then I will also work after dinner. Okay. So are you one of those people who's like, I'm going to write a thousand words today. I'm going to write five, you know, how, or is it just like my butt is in the chair for as, as many hours as I can stand? I, it's just my butt is in the chair until, you know, it, it, I try to do like five or six hours a day. And then yeah. whatever comes out is what comes out. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's 50 words. And I know, I'm isn't like, that what? painful? I know. <laughs> what? What am like, I doing all the time? It's <laughs> not going to get me to my deadline quite fast right. enough. Exactly. exactly. And sometimes, yeah, and sometimes it's you know two thousand words. I I never quite know. Sometimes you get stuck on a on a research question, mm-hmm. and and that so you've only got you know that's a most of the time what happens when I've only got that fifty words is I ran into something that I didn't know how to write and I had to stop and look it up. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, or ask for help. Speaking of research, so this book actually has got some interesting um, subject matter in it, and, and that is, you know, epigenetics, which I thought was really interesting. Can you tell listeners a little bit about, uh, you don't have to tell us how that plays into the plot so much, but um, okay. what it is. Um, so I have to look here. Um, I thought this was fascinating, and I'm, you know, this is the most unscientific explanation you'll you'll ever get this Perfect. super simple simplified but basically um you have you know your dna you have your genes and epigenetics is the field i believe of study as to how they're expressed so even with identical twins if your dna is the same it doesn't mean that um you're going to have all the same medical problems or that even that you're hair will grow in the same way or that your predisposition to certain diseases or say certain addictions is will play out the same way uh so epigenetics kind of looks at the way that that those genes are expressed kind of like applying them to your life and seeing yeah there's like, a, there's some methylation process. I was reading right. about this, uh, which I, I, you do such a good job of explaining it, which the sort of methylation, it says when methylation happens, it can essentially turn down or hamper the activity of certain genes or even blocks some genes from producing certain types of proteins in our body. And that's of course the professional who's explaining that to Josie. But right. um, but it's interesting because my dad was an identical twin um, and I, and you know, he, he's unfortunately passed away, um, but we- yeah, but my his identical twin brother, you know, we were we everyone worries that he'll they will end up dying of the same thing. And and I loved it in the book. It says it's so rare for identical twins to die of the same thing, which I thought was really interesting, right? Because we would assume so much. I mean, we learn we hear all the time, like these really athletic people have a heart attack because it's just genetics, right. right? Right. But there is, um, but there are other factors at play, obviously. Um, but that was real. I thought that was interesting, and of course, how it plays into the book, which I can't <laughs> tell you, anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, uh, you have to read it. But it's really, it's super fascinating. Now, so you write every? Do you write? Is it five days a week? Do you find you write weekends? I'm always interested in like. If you, I always feel like sometimes if I walk away from a book, even for two days, it's harder to get back into it. So I wonder yeah. if people find a way to write every day or if we need a break in our lives. How do you feel about that? It's, it's every day. I mean, I always say I'll schedule myself days off, but it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and I have two, two really good uh, writer friends, uh, actually three now, that we try to get together every day from 1230 to two on Zoom. And we just write together. So we come on, we chat about where we are, what we're working on. We set a timer for 20 minutes, we work, and then we come back, you know, unmute and we discuss, are, are there any issues? Do we just keep going? And so it's me, uh, Maddie Dalrymple, Jane Kelly, and Jane Gorman has recently uh, joined our group. And they're all uh, suspense mystery writers and awesome. they all write something just a little bit different. Uh, so it makes it really exciting for me and fun because you'll get a, if you have a plot question that you need answered uh, or you need to talk it over with someone, you're getting, you know, several different perspectives on it, uh, which yes. I find really helps. And, and right so, away, you know, you don't have to wait like, you know, just you send yeah. an email to your writer friend and you hear back two days later, you get kind of immediate feedback. So that was, yeah. so, so these um, three other authors, we did something similar on Zoom during the pandemic, right? Just to see other faces was really nice. Although I get so, yeah, I get yeah. so easily distracted that I'm like, what's everybody else doing? Yeah. Um, and one of my writer partners had a baby. So every time the baby was in the Aww. picture, I was like, oh my God, I got to look at the baby. Um, but um. But so do these, do you guys all kind of know where you each are? You're kind of keeping track of their plots as well. So if there's a question, you should come back and kind of give your thoughts on, on their story as well. Yeah, I, I mean, we just kind of check in and say, what are you working on? And then, you know, so my, my friend Maddie will say, I'm working on um, her, her series is uh, the Anne Kinnear suspense novels. And she'll say, I'm working on Anne, you know, book six. And, and typically we will, um, discuss the, the plots at some point. So I'm, I'm usually generally familiar mm -hmm. with what they've got going on at, at any given time in some form or fashion. Yeah, that may, okay, so that makes sense to me. So do you, um, then do, are you a pantser? Are you a plotter? Um, I used to be a pantser, but it's, it's massively inefficient. So I know, <laughs> for, me, how did you, for me, how did you become a plotter? I'm so interested, I, I, I wanna learn. <laughs> I think just, it just was, I forced myself to do an outline and, and then follow it. And it felt really uncomfortable and terrible the first time I did it. And I was like, oh, this is sucking the joy out of the process. <laughs> uh, but the book got done so much more quickly and, and it, it was so much less work on the back end in terms of editing it right. and, and making everything align and, and making the book the best book it could be. So when I saw how much less work it was in the editing process, I was like, oh, I really have to do this. Now, I don't think I could work without an outline. Now, mm -hmm. I, I've actually printed out and I have it. And then when I get, get to a certain place, I, I can stop for the day, but I can always go back to my outline. And that makes me feel like I know I don't have any time where I'm sitting at the screen saying, oh, I don't know what to do next. I just check the outline. Mm -hmm. So basically that sort of you spend more time up front, kind of not just diving into the story, but trying to figure out sort of, you know, this is what this happens and then this happens. And rather than writing your way through that, you sort of just think your way through it. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I so I mean, I'm like 16 <laughs> books in, I still haven't figured out how to write an outline. So it's on my, it's on my bucket list. <laughs> and so, my but, my friend Maddie came up with this really great idea. Uh, she's done an article about it for Writer's Digest called a frame, which is, it, it is essentially an outline, but for some reason that the way that she describes it, 
it makes it seem so much easier to me and more yeah. fun. And so I started doing my outlines in a in a sort of frame framework. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, it really works really well for me. And then we were talking a couple of weeks ago. I said I got to a, a point in the plot where I needed to make a decision, but that decision was going to affect the rest of the book. And I wasn't sure what to do. And then we talked about like decision trees. <laughs> right. If, if a body turns up now, these five things will then happen. But if exactly. it turns up later, it changes. Exactly. And then I kind of knew which way to go. That's super smart. I would like to see the article about framework because I think maybe, maybe I just need to call it something <laughs> other than an outline because <laughs> that sounds so intimidating. Um, so the other thing I wanted to talk about um, was, you know, your dad, um, he gave you such a special gift. My, you know, there's something about maybe daughters and I mean, all parents, you know, we're close to all our parents, but there's something about daughters and dads. And when I, I got a little teary when I saw the gift that your dad had brought to you right before he passed. Can you tell um, our listeners what that was? Yeah. So my dad, his kind of obsession in life was to find things uh, usually in the trash or the people had thrown away or sometimes just gave him because they didn't want it anymore uh, that were like a little bit broken down and battered and or missing a part or uh, just needed a little fix fixing up and he would fix them and then he had a thrift shop that he would sell them in but you know I would say like probably 60% of the time he would just give things away to people yeah, because yeah. they needed them so you know he was if you needed something a couch a vacuum dvd player I don't know anything think about it um he was like oh, I have one of those you know just need <laughs> felt or I just need yeah, to yeah. paint it or you know so he would uh that was what he did in his spare time and and it was kind of his passion and so um the day that he the, the, the morning of the day that he died, he had been out early driving around and he found this little table and the table top, it was like the size of a coffee table. The table top was shaped like a book. And he was, he was so excited about it. He brought it home uh, every, and, and my, my mom tells the story, like he, he brought it into the house and he sat it right next to his recliner and then he waited because it was so early in the morning and my, my mom was there. Uh, my brother and sister-in-law had just bought a new house, but, but had the kids had to finish school. So they were living with my parents until school was over. So they were there. And every time somebody would either come down the steps or come through the door, they would hear his recliner snap shut. And he would hop up and say, oh, look at this table I found. You know, I'm gonna give it to Lisa. I'm going to have uh, Don, who is my sister-in-law's uh, father, uh, airbrush the, the cover of her first published book on top of this table. And I'm going to give it to her for Christmas. And this was April. And uh, he just showed it to every single person that day that he saw, he talked about it. Uh, he was so just giddy with excitement is, is what they've told me. And, um, and then that night he died, you know, yeah. unexpectedly of a, of a heart attack. And um so then Christmas came and uh, we couldn't have our Christmas actually till January because of various, various COVID exposures, you know, we had to be careful. And, right. and then we got together uh, for our family Christmas and um, 
I just really like I had no idea that any of this was going on. And my brothers and my sister-in-law were like, listen, we, we're going to give you something. And I was like, what? Because we don't do gifts anymore as adults. Yeah. We just gifts for each other's kids. And sure. And uh, I'm sitting there and they bring this huge thing out, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know what this could possibly be. And it was the table. Yeah. Uh, the day that he died, uh, my brother and sister-in-law made sure that the table made its way to Don. And um, Don did the most incredible, beautiful, it's beautiful. job. Yeah, it's the, on your, it's, I know cover. it's pinned on your Facebook page. I'm sure it's yeah. on your Instagram page. Yeah, people should check it out. It's, <laughs> it's really fabulous. And so you didn't know about this table for eight I months. Till that moment. And it was just amazing to me yeah. that, um, that in the fog of grief and all of the things that, that all of us had to do, um, you know, we had to, my mom sold her house. We had to sell my dad's store. We, you know, there's all those yeah. administrative oh. kind of things and right, going right. Things, um, big changes and through all that, that they managed to, to pull this off, you know, to kind of make the, the last gift that he would ever give me in my life yeah. actually came eight months after his death. Yeah, uh, I get kind of teary, yeah. Lisa. Yeah, I know. So, uh, it's I cried really, for like a week. Uh, just sure. a week. Yeah. I mean, it's a really, and it's just, it's so, it's so important as a writer um, to have people who support what you do, right? It's a very lonely business. Even if you're yeah. doing it with girlfriends online, most of the time, you know, you are for sure on your own um, yeah. with your book. So it's, that kind of thing is really sweet. And I am a little teary. So <laughs> that's really neat. My dad also was a big, you know, um, a big supporter of this crazy job I took on. And um, anyway, but I think it's really, it means so much to have that. So that is really such a cool gift. And yeah, your family, I mean, they obviously, there's a lot of love there, which is amazing. So, um, uh, okay, now, but I also, you have also this adorable dog who's features <laughs> quite a bit. And and I really, I just have to ask how much of the writing Mr. Philip does, because it seems like <laughs> he's really involved. Does he help you plot? <laughs> he's a constant he companion. No, he's not a, not a good writer. He's not a great writer at all. Um, no. But he is literally glued to my side. I, I think for every word I've ever written. Um, in the, starting with we got him in 2015. Yeah, so he's been with me through the whole Josie Quinn series. Uh, he will, if I come up here and work, I had to get a bigger chair so that we could both fit in it because he likes to be against my leg and sit with me. And he could easily be downstairs with my husband and my daughter playing or, yeah. you know, shaking somebody down for treats. But he, uh, he will, if I'm writing, he is there right next to me. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's a fun feeling. I have, we, I also, am a, um, I have, we actually have four dogs right now. Don't tell anybody. I think I probably should have a kennel license for that. But at any rate, um, <laughs> it's a little crazy. But, um, but I agree that, you know, there's something about just having that sort of other living thing in your space that really I, I, I totally love. So anyway, yeah. I had to ask. He's also super cute and, and such a feature. Yeah. And the fans love him. We, we had a book signing near me on Saturday and one of the fans came to get her book signed and then she brought a gift for him. Um, I <laughs> love he's got fan art and everything, yeah. And so that's really cute. Yeah, he's, he's super cute. He seems like a lovely fellow. Um, so how about, you know, you have a daughter. 
I, this is a conversation I have with mothers of children who eventually want to read our books. How can I ask how old she is? She's 15. Okay. So she's getting old enough. What do you think? Has she read Josie Quinn? Are you holding her off a few more years? What's happening? No, she started to read Vanishing Girls. She, she wanted to read the series, uh, several years ago because she's always been a pretty advanced reader and I said no because it was too violent and right. the subject matter was too adult but once she got to be 14 uh, and you know I saw the things that she's she already reading adult books anyway so I said she could read it uh, and she she did start it <laughs> and there was some debate over uh, why she didn't finish it uh, so I I thought that the reason was that, um, you know, she had had it in school and she was reading it and a teacher saw it and said, oh, that's your mom's book. And then she was kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't want this kind of attention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so she stopped reading it. But then I think I said that in an interview because that's genuinely what I thought had happened. Uh, but then she said that that, that was not true, that she just didn't have time to finish it. So mm -hmm. I don't know, but I said, yeah. it's fine. Don't. Yeah, exactly. In some ways, I think it's, it's, it's easier when they don't read your books, but it is funny because my daughter, and she's now 20, almost 23. So she's a, a fair amount older. And she had said, um, she got very angry about some decisions I made about the character, like the same sort of thing, like you're, you know, that your fans were saying, like, don't be so hard on this, on this character I love but I was like this is sort of how it works you know you yeah. have to sort of yeah. so she was not happy with me but you know uh, what can you do um but I think that's funny and you know how our families support us is really interesting too like do you share your books with your husband is he you know is he a reader he is not a reader I mean he's read some of them but he uh always says to me that he's very opinionated which he is um, <laughs> and that he doesn't want to influence me as a, as I'm writing the plot. You know, we don't we don't want to it to become a stressor or something that we argue about. Yes, or, right, um, exactly. So, so he's just really like he's super supportive. If I want to talk about the plot that I, for the book that I'm working on, he will absolutely help me. He yeah. was act, actually instrumental in coming up with. Uh, the kind of the secret that was underlying book 15. Uh, he's got really, really brilliant ideas, but he's like, we have to have some, some boundaries. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like you're the writer. I will right. do everything that I can to support you, but this is your show, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, Which is perfect, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, it's nice to have somebody who bounces things off. My, the ideas my husband comes out with are so far-fetched. I'm like, you're fired. That's, <laughs> no one would believe that could happen. Um, as, and as you know, fiction readers are kind of funny, right? You can get away with almost anything until you until you don't make it motivated well enough. And then they're like, that's not believable. So I always right. love that about the feedback. So, okay. So you, are, you just finished up um, edits on number 16. You said mm -hmm. it's coming out in... December. December. Can you just tell us a little bit about um, that one? Yeah, I'm really excited about it, actually. Um, so in the city of Denton, they have a local television station. And on that station is a show that uh, right now in the book is called uh, Couples Corner with the Collinses. And it's these two marriage counselors who uh, wrote a book about relationships that went viral. And then they 
started a television show in Denton. And so they're, they're pretty famous in Denton for their show. And then um, this is not a spoiler because it will probably be on the back of the book. The uh, wife is murdered. Mm-hmm. And so then Josie and her team are charged with figuring out who would want to, you know, murder a member of this power couple that are so uber successful and give out relationship advice. And so it's kind of an, an unraveling of the people that are around the couple, right. and their past and is everything what it seems. Spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> of course, that's so exciting. Well, I love the idea. And yeah, you can't spoil it because we have we know there's going to be a dead body right at the start, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's how these the books work. If there wasn't a dead body, we'd be like, wait, what's happening? This is this is all wrong. <laughs> you have to have that. Well, that's super exciting. Okay, so Lisa, tell our listeners there's a ton of Josie Quinn books. What's the easiest, best way to kind of um, figure out which books come first? Obviously, you can search it on Amazon. You have a website, I'm I'm assuming. I do. Um, it's lisareagan.com, just L-I-S-A-R-E-G-A-N.com. And uh, the books are all on there. And I think if you go on, I'm pretty sure if you go onto the website, they're actually in reverse. So the 15 is first and then it goes down. Um, I may get a page on there that just lists them in in order at this point. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say now that you're, I mean, now that you've got so many, maybe, yeah. And, but it's nice then we, people can see the covers and know like, and a blo- maybe something about them. So we know what, okay, we read that one. And and, well, and the Vanishing Girls is the very first. So if you're new yes. to Lisa Reagan, which I can't imagine there's that many people that are new to Lisa Reagan, but if you're new, Vanishing Girls is a really, is a really great place to start to learn about um, Josie Quinn. And then the, the number 16 is called what? We don't have a title yet. Uh, we're working fun? on it. We've, we've been over a few and I, I just don't think that we've landed on the right one yet, but but very, very soon. <laughs> and so I know I love it's so funny that sometimes the title is the, the last thing to come. I've I've only half my books have titles that I chose. The other half were somebody <laughs> else, somebody else's choice. So oh that's great. Okay, so LisaReagan.com on Instagram, you're oh, I should know this. Uh I probably can look it up. Lisa Reagan author, I believe. Okay, and then and also Facebook, right? Yes, and I believe I'm Lisa Reagan crime author. Yes, you are Lisa Reagan, crime author on Facebook. I can help with that one. (laughs) (laughs) That one I noticed. Okay. Well, anyway, um, so catch up with Josie Quinn. Check her out. LisaReagan.com are your favorite uh, ebook provider. And um, look for these gorgeous uh, Grand Central. I'm sure there's now four, there's four of them out there in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's gorgeous. And I, and they're doing a really good job of branding it because I think the books, the covers, look like they you know beautifully like they belong obviously as part of the same series which is I think it's nice to, to see that because you recognize oh that's a Josie Quinn book even yeah. though you know it only says it in this little font at the bottom so um <laughs> I want to thank you so much for joining us today Lisa this is thank um, you for having been, me it's such a treat to talk to you I love poking you know poking in all the incredible women brains that we have going on in this <laughs> world of thrillers so um thank you for joining us lisa and this has been um the killer women podcast i'm danielle gerard and we will see you next time thank you thank you